Welcome back to the Pesky Report. This is episode 234 presented by Beyond the Monster. My name is Derek. I'm here with Hunter and Jake. And let's not waste any time because I want to get into this. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of rosters to talk about. However, the Woo Sox played some games this weekend. They played three games, beat the, they beat the Mets in two out of those three games. I'll hand it off to Hunter first. I want to get your thoughts on the series as a whole before we get kind of deeper into who played well and who struggled. Awesome. Uh, well, I think a few of the biggest takeaways for me was the, uh, the bullpen I thought looked surprisingly strong. I think there's a lot of, a lot of pieces there that are interesting. I think the addition of AJ Pellini immediately boosts that, but uh, I think it was good to see everyone. It's the first week. It's hard to really judge anybody's you know i'm I'm not going to sit here and overreact because brandon walker struggled after missing the end of last year but uh it's just it's just nice to be back (laughs) two and one can't complain yeah i think that's definitely fair uh jake your thoughts on just kind of the series as a whole i yeah i would totally echo what hunter just said like i think that um it's good to just get off the ground it's good to get it's good to start to get some real at bats like under the belts of these guys in real real reps it's it's minor league spring training is kind of a weird time guys are bouncing around i think a lot between different places and where you have to go and and where you're going to play and long bus rides and stuff like that and i think that for them to get back into it was was great and i totally agree that there were some really promising things for some of the bullpen guys um promising things offensively too for sure um you know, David Hamilton in particular, and yeah, we'll get into some of the specific guys, but um, it was good to see the guys that have been, that have big league experience um, hitting well. Uh, I know that like numbers wise, like Duran and Dahlbeck didn't, I think they each only had one hit in the series, but they both showed a lot of good plate discipline and patience and that stuff that hopefully if they are going to be called upon to be in the big leagues, that's going to carry over. And I think another thing is that this was also a really good, um, test for the Blue Sox for a lot of these guys competition wise, because that, that Mets team is pretty stacked in terms of prospects. Like they have, I think three of the top, maybe like 30 prospects in all of baseball between guys in their lineup, Alvarez, Beatty and, um, and Mauricio, um, plus some other, some other really good guys who some guys who've been better in the past than maybe more recently. So take two out of three, you take it. Um, yeah, it was it was uh it's what you want. It's like, exactly like what what happened with uh, the big club too, taking two out of three. So you take it. I can't complain about taking two out of three. Um, there definitely some big performances. Bobby Dahlbeck brought out some new specs this weekend, so that was interesting to see. Maybe he'll see the ball a little bit better. Maybe it worked. Um, we'll get maybe maybe we'll see. Um, I want to talk about some kind of specific guys though. There's some guys that had some good performances. I think let's start though. I know this is a little bit big league related, but he did pitch well in the first game. Garrett Whitlock. Um, I got to talk about the opening day thing with him, though, because he was at Red Sox opening day. He pitched at Woo Sox opening day. He's going to pitch at Portland's opening day uh, this week. How do we feel about Garrett Willock just getting the opening day treatment, getting to go all the ceremonies in the world? Uh, Hunter or Jake, whoever wants to take it, can take it. Jake, go ahead. Yeah, I just think, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a funny coincidence. I think probably for Whitlock, he seems like a pretty – easygoing guy but i also wonder a part of him is just like okay i'm just i'm supposed to be here to get my work in and you know bob Cousy's 
going to talk for for 10 minutes while I'm, you know before I'm supposed to pitch uh I'm sure he didn't I'm sure he didn't mind like I said he seems like a super down to earth and cool guy but like and then so it'll be the same thing in Portland I don't I'm not sure who they're going to uh what uh you know Portland uh uh legends they're going to they're going to bring out uh at Sea Dogs opening day at Hadlock Field but um no it's it was cool and yeah just to just for as far as how he looked um good he seemed like he uh kind of lost some momentum on his velocity as he got into like the as he got into about the fourth inning but he battled through some stuff there were good signs i think that they the red sox have been really smart to bring him along slowly um we'll see how he looks uh this week on thursday i think that um hopefully he can go deeper in the game and he can hold his velocity for for uh for you know into maybe probably hopefully like he gets at least five innings in and then his next start will hopefully be with the Red Sox after that. But yeah, good, a, a, a good outing first outing in a real game for Whitlock this year, I thought. Yeah. And it led into a good Blue Sox performance. Um, you start looking at that first game and there are some, I mean, Blue Sox won 11 to two having Whitlock start did, I guess, play a role in it. Um, there are some good bullpen pitching um, as was mentioned, Politi closing out that game had an inning didn't give up any runs. That's nice to see him back in the system after being a Rule 5 draft pick. There's also some nice bats going on in both of the wins. However, and same thing with the pitching and the loss, not so much. Um, I'll go to Hunter. Who was one guy who you really felt kind of stood out to you this weekend um, in terms of whether they played well or maybe you're looking to see, okay, this guy could definitely definitely didn't perform great, but we still know that he has a lot of talent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously you have to – be impressed with David Hamilton's opening day. He did the same thing last year. He, he put on a show. Uh, he's already showing off that speed, which is great. You love seeing multiple steals in the first series. Uh, Greg Allen was phenomenal. I know he's been in the majors before, but it's it's good to see him showing. You know, and I get it. AAA is not it's not the majors, but it's it's better than him hitting a hundred. You know, I'd rather see him dominating in AAA, and then he gives you that confidence that if you need to call someone up, hey, here's this guy that is is seeing a beach ball in AAA. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, I thought, looked good. Daniel Palka looked good. Uh, Pitching-wise, I was impressed with a lot of people. I think something with Whitlock was uh, I noticed that they had him working on his slider a lot, which I think is smart. It's If you're going to have him ramping up in the minors, you might as well have him work on those pitches that – he's not as comfortable with and the bullpen arms of Politi and Sheriff both look like guys that could be helping in the majors now. So it's, it's good to see they have multiple bullpen arms that could come up tomorrow. And I don't think many people would be too worried about them. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, one guy kind of, I thought it was hilarious. Um, Mosqueda had one five innings, didn't go for any runs also didn't strike anyone out, which is kind of hilarious. Um, Jake, you have any guys who really stood out besides who Hunter mentioned? Um, anyone who you really like what you saw? I think I think you meant Gadino, who's he yes. was the guy yes. that yesterday. Oh, sorry, Gadino. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I got just, my I got so my weird. names mixed up. Yeah, I, I flip flopped uh, them on my sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, definitely. I I think that Hamilton uh, hitting the ball really hard was awesome to see. Like I think that that. Uh, I think it was the, maybe the home run he hit had like a 108 mile an hour exit velocity, which by the way, the fact that uh, Savant, we're going to have Savant stats for AAA games this year is huge money. Well spent. Well done, Rob Manfred. 
you you've done some bad things, but <laughs> but but shelling out the dollars so that we get all the stat cast data for for AAA games is top of top of the list. One of the, my favorite things that's happened in the last few years. Um, and yeah, no, I I think that uh, for Hamilton, like he we talked about this a little bit last week, is that he has to. Um, he it's great to see that he has such great uh, ability to hit the ball as hard as he does, but also, you know, he's got to continue to work on trying to get on base and using, using his legs and, and getting, and uh, getting steals. And I think that's critical for him. Um, I think I, I totally agree that Politi to me was the one from a pitching standpoint that his, his two innings that he pitched in the series were eye opening. The fact that, you know, we get him right back or the, the Woosox get him right back from Baltimore and uh, for him to look sort of that effective against, again, a very good team is huge. He was a guy that last year was putting up really good numbers the whole year in Worcester. And I think for a lot of people, myself and others, uh, there was a lot of sort of frustration when it comes to, um, you know, uh, a lot of frustration when it comes to the sort of ineffectiveness of some of the bullpen guys. And now we're seeing some of those guys are in the, in the big leagues with the guys that were doing well in Worcester last year, specifically uh, Kelly, who's still here. Um, and uh, even, you know, Caleb Ort did well in AAA last year. He was the, basically the Woosox closer from, for most of the year when he was there. And then, you know, we've seen him struggle in the big leagues a little bit, but, um, but as far as uh, uh, Politi goes, great to see and great to see sheriff to i think one thing that really stands out about this worcester roster in general is so, how many guys have big league experience and how critical that is for depth um and well, because there's going to be injuries in the big leagues and a lot of these guys aren't on the 40 man so there is probably be some things to figure out there but you look at that like opening day lineup and it's like okay i want to say that six of the nine guys had pretty extensive mlb experience the only guys who really didn't were like Hamilton, Valdez, and I think Fitzgerald. Everybody else had a lot of big league experience on that lineup, so that's that's a huge thing for depth, and it's a huge thing um, uh, as the season wears on because you need those guys, and it's, yeah. it's it's good to it's good to see that. And it's good to see those guys, especially a guy like Greg Allen, too, performing really well. Yeah, definitely, and it's a team that we are hoping will be good. It seems like there's a lot of talent on that team um, throughout the whole minor leagues. It feels that way. Um, I do want to kind of take a half second while we're on Worcester to talk Bobby Dahlbeck and Jaron Duran just because they had spring trainings that were a little all over the place in terms of Duran going to the WBC and not playing much after that. Dahlbeck, you know, it's a little up and down at spring training at times, had his moments. But in AAA, their first weekend, I felt like there were a lot of kind of walks from them, a lot of working counts deeper, at least for what they normally have done in the past. At least that's how I saw it because when I look at, you know, Jaron Duran and in that last game, that 8-1 win in game three of the series, Duran went over 2 but he also drew three walks, which I wouldn't have necessarily expected from Duran even as soon as early as this spring, right, before we heard about his new swing. How, uh, I'll go to Jake first. How do you feel about that? Yeah, Duran um, is – I would just lump both of those guys together are guys that at the big league level have had a lot of issues with swing and miss. And, and um, so – if there's if it's more just a factor of okay we have had a we've had big league experience we know what to look for we know what to swing after we know what not to then that's a huge thing for them to be carrying over as they get sort of regular playing time and regular reps um and it, yeah so for duran i think him getting on base it's the same thing that we're talking about with hamilton where it's like if he gets on base it's huge because he he has uh, the speed. I'm not sure that he, I think Hamilton is a better 
base runner in general. He's that's something that I think is a little underrated with David Hamilton's game is that I think he had only I think he had 70 steals last year and I could pull it up, but I'm pretty sure he only got caught stealing like eight times. Yeah, I think it was seven for 78. Yeah. So that's incredible. And 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 uh, a guy like Duran, I don't really view him as being as good of a base runner. But he has to get more reps and more experience. So how do you get more reps and experience? Well, you have to get on base. So I think that him showing more patience is a huge thing. And it gives him more of a ceiling if you're thinking at like, okay, this guy, maybe there's still something there where he could be a guy that could hit at the top of a lineup, that he could be a leadoff hitter if he's going to show more patience. It's, a, it's obviously it's a tiny sample and he's got to carry it through. But if we're sitting here in May, June, July, and he's still if he's still in the organization – and he still is showing that level of patience and discipline, then that's a huge thing for his future, whether it's in Boston or not. And I would just say the same thing about Dahlbeck, which is that as a guy who just has had like swing and miss has been a bigger part of his game for his whole, his whole run as a professional um, to see him have some uh, show some patience is, uh, is a, is similarly is a huge deal for him. And uh I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see both of those guys in the lineup every day and doing what they uh, doing what they need to do to prove their their worth as players. And hopefully, it's going to pay off for both of them in the long run, whether it's in Boston or not. Yeah, Hunter, you got anything you want to add to that? What, uh, yeah, I just I think that that's something that they were probably told to focus on. Uh, I'm sure they were both because I'd imagine that's something when you were in the majors spring training ends, you get sent down to the minors. I'd imagine that's something where a lot of people are like, all right, if I hit 400 in the first two weeks with, with 10 homers, they're going to have to call me back up. So I'd imagine that's something that, you know, you pull them aside and you're like, Hey, what we're looking for from you is some, some extra plate discipline. Cause that is something that both of them, especially in the majors seem to seem to struggle with. Uh, so it's, it's good to see them taking that to heart. And not just, you know, especially when they get to those two ball counts or three ball counts, they're not just, you know, the, their eyes aren't getting big and they're not thinking, oh, they, now here comes the home run pitch. Uh, so it's it's definitely a positive sign. And if you can get any kind of contribution from them, that's a plus at this point. Uh, I also, just to veer off track a little bit, I feel like I, I forgot to bring him up. And speaking of walks, I feel like I need to bring up Nick Sogard because he had a phenomenal first first game, two for two, two walks and a double. Uh, and I think he's someone who's an on-base machine. He got on it like a 360 clip last year, doesn't strike out a lot. Solid defender in the infield. So I just wanted to sneak that in there quick and just give him a little shout-out because he definitely deserves it. That's great. Yeah, you know, a thing about Sogard that's going to be interesting is, is playing time um, yeah. you know, for him because of – how much you know you have you have Dahlbeck who is presumably going to get a lot of run at at one of the <laughs> positions and they're going to try to work him around shortstop you, Bobby shortstop, absolutely is what it seems like and then you ha- yeah it's just it, hopefully Sogard because I I agree that I think Sogard is a is a, is a big leaguer at some point um, but he just has to have the opportunity so if he he shows patience and he shows that he'll probably get more of an opportunity yeah. too I'm ha- I was happy to, I was really happy to see that for for Nick Sogard. 
Yeah, now I do want to, before we move on to just dissecting the rosters, we're talking a little bit about, you know, some of these guys who have had good, a good series. There are a couple, you know, not so bright spots, but guys who still have talent. We still have high hopes for them, obviously. Uh, Emmanuel Valdez, Brandon Walter, not the greatest starts to the season for them. Uh, Walter obviously wasn't super sharp in his start. Uh, and Emmanuel Valdez didn't have a great weekend. Uh, I think it went one for nine, I think it was. Uh, I think his first game went 0 for 4 3 Ks. Uh, Hunter, do you want to take this, uh, talk about either one of them, both of them? Take it however you want to take it. Gotcha. Uh, For Valdez, I'm not too worried just because he's been a streaky hitter in his career. He he doesn't have a walk yet this year, but that's something he did over 100 times last year. I'm not worried about him not walking for a series. Uh, But, I mean, he's he's very much got a power swing, and with a power swing usually comes massive – cold and hot streaks so i mean he's one for nine now he could go three for four with two homers and a double next game and no one's going to be worried about it and for brandon walter it's his first game of the year and he pitched a little bit in spring training but it's his first game of the regular season missed a large chunk of the end of last year that's just that's just him getting some of that rust off i'm not worried about that at all yeah, I don't think it's yeah, anything to be worried, but if you want to add anything to that, Jake, you can. Yeah, I, I completely agree on Walter, the Walter point. I think that for a guy like him, um, having not pitched uh real having not pitched after June last year and going back to the level AAA where he had only made a couple starts before getting hurt and then uh being worked, I think, relatively deliberately during during uh, spring training, I think that it was not a huge surprise that maybe his command wasn't a hundred percent there that he was getting hit a bit. He even gave up a couple walks, which was a little surprising. Um, I think after the game, he, he spoke to Chris Henrik of, of beyond the monster. And, um, and, you know, he said afterwards, he says, I felt good. Um, you know, I just know that, that the, that the command just wasn't there. You know, I, he's like, I have to have my, um, you know, I have to have all my stuff going to be successful. And, you know, his stuff, stuff, especially, I guess the secondary stuff wasn't really, wasn't really going. And he's going to be one, a guy that like, he's going to be right around the plate. He does. He's not a hard thrower. Um, if his secondary stuff isn't working, he's not going to, he's not going to be successful. So it's shit. It definitely a case of shaking the rust off. And hopefully uh, this was just, he just got, he got that out of his system and he's going to go back to being the Brandon Walter that we're expecting. And then Valdez, same thing. Sometimes you just have a rough series. And again, that was a, a really good Mets team. I'm not, I'm not worried about him again. It's three games. We're just, we're kind of just, we don't have a lot to go off or, yeah. or early here, but it's, yeah, it's it not, is, uh, it's, it's fun. It is fun. It's fun to talk about, especially the guys when they're, they're going well. I, I, I did want to mention, uh, you know, just quickly that uh, about Politi and, and going back to how good he looked and the fact that he did not, he did not have a very good spring training for the Orioles. Like that was, I think partially why he got returned to the Red Sox, but I'm, I'm wondering if uh, Mike Elias and and uh, and and Brandon Hyde are, are kicking themselves a little bit after how their bullpen looked um, in this last series, that I feel like maybe AJ Politi could have helped them a little bit. Um, but you know, that's who knows. Who knows? They they could have looked at it and just said, "We feel like our guys are going to be better in the long run," but they didn't show a heck of a lot uh, uh, over this past weekend. 
No, I think that's definitely the Orioles might look back to that and go, ooh, might have made a mistake there. Although they did have a good bullpen last year. But enough about the Orioles because we don't care about them here on this show. Um, we care about the Red Sox minor leagues. And let's dive into some of these rosters that we don't fully know everything about. Well, we don't know exactly everyone, but I think we have a good gauge on everything. Let's dive into this double-A roster, um, at least what's kind of projected from the double-A roster. One guy we talked about last week is Sedan Rafaela. We thought you might have started the year in triple-A. He is going to be starting in double-A. Uh, thoughts on that? Uh, whoever wants to take it, you go. You go ahead, Hunter. Okay. Uh, I'm... I don't think he's going to be there all that long, honestly. I think he'll get – I think it's kind of a case of – we were just talking about how many big leaguers are on that AAA roster, and they probably thought, let's get Rafael a daily play to start the year. It just – it would be weird to put him on the AAA roster and then be like, hey, every third day you're getting a day off. That's uh, – so I think he'll – I think they'll start him there. They're probably going to hope that he shows a little bit more of plate discipline. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the time June rolls around, he's already in Worcester. Because uh, I do still think that they see him as someone that could, could could contribute this year if they need him. So I think he'll – I think I think it's, it's going to be a quick process of let's get him another 100 at-bats in, in double-A and see if he can get those – the, the I, it's it's not even necessarily about drawing more walks. Obviously, that's great, but it's more working counts and not swinging at those low and outside pitches where he rolls over to the pitcher all the time. Uh, so if he can show improvements in that area, everything else is already gangbusters. Uh, I I I don't think that that's too much of a worry. Yeah, I think I think it's pitch selection mostly. Like, don't swing at the bad pitches. Um, wait for the good pitch, pretty much. Um, because like you said, Hunter, a lot of kind of rollovers on pitches yeah. out of the zone. I think that's the big thing for him. Yeah. And I think like the, 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 uh, reporting from Alex Spear this week indicated that the Red Sox are happy with the progress that Rafaela has made in terms of his swing decisions. And, uh, but they don't feel like he showed enough to, like you were kind of mentioning Hunter, like muscle his way into triple a to, to get everyday playing at bats playing time when you guys like Dur- Dur- when a guy like Duran is, is there and ended up not making the big league team. I, I think that the, um, the, the Red Sox know how good Rafaela is and they know how, what his level of talent is and that it's just not worth it to push him to yeah. push him that this early to be in triple a, uh, when, they want him to succeed. The whole point of why you got why you put certain people at certain levels is because you want to challenge them and you want them to succeed at that level. Um, I think that probably if you're you know someone if you're a, a, a someone in, who goes to a lot of Woosocks games or you're somebody there, probably a little bit disappointing to not have to not get to see Rafaela right away. But I agree, Hunter, completely that it's not going to be long before he's there as long as he continues to show the progress that I think he started to show a little bit of in spring training around the swing decisions and making, you know, waiting for pitches in the zone and making solid contact on those. Um, And again, it's, there's, we know that there's no issue defensively that he can play in the big leagues right now with his defense. And um, it's just a matter of getting him to the place where he needs to be at the plate. And I think him continuing to do it in, in Portland every day is, is the ultimately was the right decision. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, now let's dive into the rest of this kind of port- this Portland roster. That it, I mean, I think uh, let's actually start with the big news. I, I let's start with the big news. I think Nick York starting the season in Double A, um, maybe expected by some, maybe not expected by others. Uh, I'll hand it over to Jake. Thoughts on Nick York starting the season in Double A? I think that it was um, not a hundred percent a guarantee he was going to start in Portland. I thought it was pretty likely, um, and I'm I'm happy that he's going to be there. I'm happy that for the folks that are in Portland, uh, that are going to be able to see him a lot. Um, I'm excited to hopefully get to see him at some point soon too. Um, York had a really, had a really tough year last year. It was, he had uh, a great 2021. Um, he's sort of considered a, one of the top hundred prospects in baseball by the outlets that we talked about a lot last week. And then last year, it was a combination of things for him between, you know, uh, struggling when, when he got to, to Greenville and then also injuries. I think injuries, I think the decision to bump him up to Portland speaks more to how I think the Red Sox probably felt about how the injuries impacted him last year than, uh, anything else that happened. Um, so the really interesting thing about, uh, York is he completely changed his, his, his uh, mechanics, at least from his swing, at least from his, you know, the set when he's facing the pitcher. And it's, I haven't really seen this very much where he has both of his hands directly over the top of his head um, before, while he's waiting for the pitch to come. It's, it's a pretty unique look. And if you, you know, you've seen some videos from spring training, um, you look at it from sort of, especially from behind, it's like, it's, it's very unique. Um, But by the end of spring training, it seemed like it was really working for him. Um, based on what we've what we've heard and i think that um i think it's a great challenge for him it's there is a this gets talked about a lot where there is a big divide between single both levels of single a and then double a and triple a like especially the last couple years after the offsite the pandemic year like it's it's a big it's a big leap so york is being challenged by this by this assignment and um yeah, it, I, I think that that yeah, and, and, and Brad just mentioned this in the chat that that uh, you know listening to uh, the Sox prospects guys who were in in Fort Myers last week, they were spoke very highly of how he looked by the end of especially by the end of spring training. And um, another thing I would just mention quickly about York is that he made uh, d- defensively the questions are going to be about you know is he going to stick at second base or not. It was just one play, but he made one of the most impressive defensive plays I've ever seen a second baseman make in a game in that game uh, against the Pirates in Bradenton. Um, and it showed that he has real athletic ability. And I think hopefully uh, at this this next juncture for him, a double A, he shows that he can stick at second base, because if that's the case, then and he gets back to hitting where he was at the 2021 level, then he's back in the discussion amongst the top three or four prospects that the Red Sox have. So I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, psyched for, especially for people in Portland to get the chance to see Nick York. Yeah. I I think a lot of people, especially in Portland would be excited to see him, him, Raphael. It's going to be a very fun team in Portland. Hunter, your thoughts on Nick York getting the uh, season started at double A. I think, that's something that a lot of people that just kind of like stat watch are going to be like, why the heck is this guy starting in double a hit two thirty something last year. Uh, but it really was just, it was I mean, a wrist injury. First off, you're going to struggle hitting with a wrist injury. Uh, and it was the constant, like playing for four days and then he's out for five days playing for three days. Then he's out for a week. Like it's hard to get into any kind of rhythm when that's happening. And defensively, 
This is a hill I will die on. I think Nick York's a really good defensive second baseman. He had, I think, like eight errors in the first month two years ago. And I think that that really made everyone be like, ah, this guy, you know, can he really play second base? One error the rest of the year. Last last year in like 600 innings or almost 600 innings at second base, he had one error. Like he might not be, I mean, he, as Jake said, he did have one of the more impressive defensive plays you'll ever see. Uh, but he might not always be like the flashiest guy, but I really do think he's someone that he's going to give you good defense. He's going to make all the, the right plays. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's all you can really ask for. Uh, so I think, I think that's something that kind of, he still kind of has that negative stigma around him of a bad defender when in reality, I honestly think that he's, he's above average. Uh, offensively, again, the injuries didn't help. I do think he was also stressing himself a little bit last year. I think with the fact that he was struggling so bad, now, we've only had a two-year sample size, but it seemed uncharacteristic of him how often he was swinging out-of-the-zone pitches or swinging really early in a count when the year before it really felt like he was waiting for his pitch. Last year, it just felt like he was trying to make something happen. And I think back being healthy, getting a, a decent spring training in, and I think getting that confidence boost from upper management of putting him in double A, I think that a lot of that will ease his mind. And I think he'll, I think he'll be a lot more patient and play more like himself this year. Yeah. I don't think we're saying Nick York's going to win a gold glove or anything defensively, but I think it's a thing of, we'll make all the simple plays. Yeah. He might, he's not, not may not make the play where some guy just goes crazy diving up the middle and somehow yeah. still throws a guy out. We're not saying he's going to make the incredible plays. How many guys can even do that in the first place? But you should be able to make all the routine plays that you need a second baseman to make, and you should be able to do those as well. And for a guy who Red Sox have high hopes for his bat, you could potentially maybe have a guy who could be one of the better hitting second basemen in the league, which has been a position in the last few years, has be, has become a more offensive position in the last couple of years compared to even like 10 years ago when it wasn't a super big offensive position, which I think is big, for, which is big to have. You can't just have a black hole. You don't want to have black holes in the lineup. So having a guy like Nick York hopefully grow into a big prospect, continue. Well, I shouldn't even say grow into a big prospect. I feel like he already is a big prospect, but kind of regain that form from 2021, I think will be huge for the Red Sox. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and just the last thing on him is, yeah, I think that's a great point Hunter made about the pressure that I'm sure he puts on himself. I mean, he was a guy who was a first round pick who was not expected to be a first round pick. And and no matter what he has to he will carry that with him for forever as a player is that he was a first round pick. And if you're a first round pick, you have to perform up to the first round pick expectations. And um, so, yeah, I think there were a lot of compounding things last year, but hopefully this year he's healthy and he the organization showing confidence in him and he uh he starts flying again yeah i think the double a team it'll definitely be an interesting team i mean you look at the infield that this double a team has and it has a chance to be a very fun infield you have nico cavadas at first nick york at second matthew lugo christian Koss, um alex Benalis is on that team um it, it seemingly will be a very fun infield at the very least um and a lot of guys who are, we're gonna hope to hope to be talking a lot about this season um hunter do you want to Take a. Do you want to talk about Cavadas, Benelis, um, 
Lugo, Koss, who's kind of the one guy that kind of uh, besides Nick York kind of stands out and you're excited to see him play in double A this year? Uh, I think out of all those guys, I'd probably honestly have to go Cavadas just because of how quickly he rose up last year. And then he kind of came back down to earth in double A, but it's one of those things where I feel like what people need to realize is the guy started the year in low A. Like it's not surprising that by the time he got to double A in the same year, he wasn't still hitting 320 with a 490 on base percentage and hitting a homer every other swing. So I think that's someone he got a little bit of time there now. I think he's going to, I think one of the big issues he had last year was it was easier to be patient in low A and high A because the pitchers aren't as, as accurate. Uh, so when he got to double A, he was still doing his thing of, well, let me take two strikes and instead of finding himself in a lot of 3-2 counts, 3-1 counts, getting walked, he was finding himself in 0-2 counts, 0-1-2 counts. And now you're in a hole. Now you have to ex- expand the strike zone a little bit. Uh, so I think that that's something he'll probably have learned is, as ridiculous as it sounds, because we were just talking about other people being patient, I think he'll learn to, to when he gets that pitch, to swing at it. There's no, If you find the pitch that you like, there's no reason to, to sit on it and be like, well – I should see a couple more pitches. He's now at that level where that's not really – you're not working on that anymore. You're, you're trying to put it all together. Uh, so I think that he could kind of – I'm not going to say he's going to do what he did in low A or, or, double, or high A last year, but I think he's someone that could get the numbers back up and kind of get that talk surrounding him again. Because at one point last year, he was a lot of fans' favorite prospect because – Every five minutes, there was a new Nico Cavadas 400-foot homer or something. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun to follow him uh, last year, for sure, and totally agree. I think that uh, I felt like once he got up to double-A, the power numbers just kind of dipped. But, yeah, it's just because you're you're going from a, a – that's a big jump in the course of a year. And also, just generally, like I was talking about before with York, the big difference between – a level pitching and and double A and higher level pitching. Yeah. So, um, of the guys that you mentioned, I I did want to say that you know last week um, we talked a bit about Christian Koss. It is uh, I won't, don't know if it necessarily is uh, hugely surprising, probably disappointing for for Koss. And um, you know Hunter has an, an interview that's up on Beyond the Monster that he did with Christian um, recently. Uh, and it, and so it's, I think just the same thing. It's probably a victim of there being so many guys, especially in, in triple a, um, who need playing time that, that, uh, cost ends up, um, having to go back to double a, um, so hopefully he continues to make the best of his opportunity there. Um, and then of the guys that you mentioned, I think that it's a huge year for, for all of these guys. I think that, um, I think Matthew Lugo is in a really interesting position. It seems like they are, they've permanently, moved him to third base at this point. Um, probably the right decision long-term, uh, both in terms of his viability to eventually be a big leaguer. I saw a lot of really great things, especially at the plate from Matthew Lugo in spring training. Um, and I think that he's somebody that people should, should be on people's radar if he's if they're not already. He has, he has some power. And um, I think him defensively at third base, I think is going to where he's going to shine. So he's a name that I think more people know about because he's, he's where he was a higher draft pick. I think, I think he was the second or third round pick and um, he 
you know, has, has worked his way up through the, through the minors and, and uh, somebody to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, as And again, third base is a tough position to be in, in the Red Sox organization. So it's possible that, that, that uh, Lugo ends up being somewhere else. Um, I kind of thought that uh, this past off season might've been when you would see him get traded, but uh, the fact that he's going to get run probably pretty much every day as a third baseman in, uh, in I, I'm assuming third base will probably be maybe a bit of a timeshare between him and Benelis, um and, and, you know, s- s- swapping guys through that DH spot. But yeah, he's a really interesting, uh, a, a really interesting guy on that team. Yeah. Also, if you know, if you don't know, nephew of Carlos Beltran, so family genes, hopefully, you know, they turn on and he really blows up. Um, I think it's a big year for Alex Benelis just because it was a rough year last year. I think when the trade was made to bring Benelis and Hamilton over and, and they traded away uh, Hunter Renfro, I think a lot of people looked and went, Oh, Alex Benelis is the main piece of this trade. Um, but last year, David Hamilton had the better year. He's starting in triple uh, a this year was Benelis is in double a. I, I know Benel started in high A last year and Hamilton started in double A. So that's not like a big thing, but he did have his struggles last year. And I think you start looking at Benelis and you go, okay, we don't want two years of struggles in a row. Let's try and figure it out. And if he figures it out, great. Um, But you don't want to see two years of struggles for a guy in Benelis who he's 22, he's going to be turning 23. You got 23 and you've already had two bad years in a row. You start to, start to question and go, okay, what's the future looking like for someone like Benelis if he has two bad years in a row? Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the pitching side of Portland um, because there are some interesting guys on this pitching staff. But I think the one that the name that really stands out, Shane Johan, there's been a lot of talk about him uh, spring training and near the end of spring training and uh, as the season starting. Uh, it seems like the velocity is up. He's also added a cutter. Um, so maybe some jumps cutting jumps coming from Johan in 2023. Hunter, what are your thoughts on Johan and potentially adding this new pitch to his mix could that could make him even better? Yeah, he's someone that I've talked about before uh, that I think that he uh doesn't really get the attention maybe that he deserves. I think it's it was one of those things where it was like, here's the guys in AAA, here's Mata, here's Murphy, here's Walter. And then here's the 19-year-olds in low A that – and then everyone kind of just left out everyone else. And I think all – between all the pitchers in between them, I think Drohan's the one that kind of stood out the most. Uh, he, had a, he had a really solid year last year, especially after getting promoted to double A. He really, he really seemed to, to figure it all out a little bit. Uh, good strikeout pitcher. Definitely – someone that uh, f- relies heavily on the, the secondary pitches because, it, as, as mentioned before, he was throwing 90-mile-an-hour fastball. That's something that maybe had something to do with. I know he gave up a lot of home runs last year. Maybe that had a little something to do with it. So maybe that added velocity will help him because uh, the extra speed on the fastball helps all your other pitches too because if all of a sudden you're throwing 94 instead of 90, now that 82-mile-an-hour slider is that much harder to hit because uh, now you can't sit on the fastball, sit back on the fastball as much. Uh, so I think this will definitely be a really big year for him. Two good years to start his career, but now now he's, at, now he's facing the higher levels uh, full-time. So it'll be big to see how that new fastball plays 
how his off-speed pitches work in double A, because uh, I think he only had like a 20-something inning sample size last year. Uh, so definitely someone to watch this year. And I'm, I'm guessing he's going to get all year in double A unless he really – I think he'd really have to knock it out of the park. And I think a lot of the prospects in AAA would have to get called up if, if that was going to happen at all. But uh, someone that by the end of the year could be in the conversation for making an appearance next year in the majors. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that is a super exciting development about Drohan. The fact that he has apparently added as many as, you know, two to three miles an hour on, you know, it's a, yeah. And so Ian Condal from Sox prospects tweeted about this earlier today that he averaged, I think it was 90, uh, 90.8 on his fastball last year. And he was 91 to 94 pretty consistently this spring. That's a huge change. He's again, as Hunter was talking about, he already has a really excellent change up and he's got a good curveball as well. So between the added velocity and the fact that he's added this cut fastball, is all of these new things in his arsenal that are, that's going to help him, especially going up against the better competition in in uh in double A in the Eastern League. And I think that um I think that one thing that's kind of interesting about Drohan is that if if he gets does this and, and we're kind of projecting this out maybe a year, a couple of years, he could very possibly be the first guy that was brought a uh, first amateur player who was brought into the organization on, since Heim Bloom took over that could make it to the big leagues. Um, there's another guy who uh, is all, well, the York obviously is also on this roster, but there's another guy that I assume we're going to talk about and Luis Guerrero, who is also a possibility that could be somebody who makes it to the big leagues as being kind of the first person that Bloom brought in or the first amateur signee or draftee that uh, Bloom brought in to, to make it to the big leagues. But yeah, the, the fact that, um, that Drohan has made these strides um, portends really well for his future, whether it's as a reliever or as a starter, it seems like with a lot of these uh, pitching pitchers that the Sox have, a lot of the prospects, they will exhaust every Avenue of making them a, making them a starter. And I think that probably, um, that's going to continue to be the, the case with Drohan and, and uh, very, very excited to see how he uh, it, making sure that that velocity that he's added carries over into games this season. Cause I think that's something that doesn't necessarily always happen, but um, hopefully that is something that we see from him uh, going forward as we start this year. Yeah, I think, I think definitely, you can, I mean, anytime you can add velocity, I think it should help for the most part. I'm also adding another pitch and a cutter, which hopefully will add, add and make the rest of his pitches play better as well that should always help um, so i think just having that those extra i guess extra tools i guess the extra velocity another pitch that he can go to i think they should help him all around um this bullpen in portland uh there's kind of two guys um one of them's injured though in ryan fernandez so let's talk about luis guerrero um for a little bit because I felt like it was going to chance if Fernandez was healthy, you could maybe have a two headed monster back in that pen. That could be like two young guys who look really solid. Um, however, Fernandez obviously injured, uh, but grow could potentially have a solid year. I know he was, he's a guy who I think had a very good year last year for the most part. Um, so I don't know if anyone wants to take that. Jay Connor wants to yeah, take, I, take it. Gare it was good. It was exciting to see Guerrero in spring training throwing as hard as he did. I mean, get into quite a few of the major league games and he's hump, you know, he's humping it in there at, you know, 90, 98, 99 miles an hour. That's always exciting to see. Um, I know that one issue with him is that his fastball maybe tends to be a little bit, uh, 
tends to be a little bit flat. Um, and I think that there's, there's some, there's some interesting, uh, uh, you know, peripherals and different things with him, uh, to see, but, but just anytime somebody's going to throw, can throw that hard, um, he's it's, there's going to be like a, a real hopeful, hopefully like a real opportunity for him to move quickly and eventually be in the big leagues. Um, and then Fernandez was a guy that I thought there was a chance he was going to get taken in the rule five draft last year. Um, he was left unprotected. He didn't get picked. And I think there's, I, I'm not quite sure where he stands health wise, but same thing, electric arm guy that throws hard. And yeah, so there's some interesting guys at the back of that bullpen. I think, you know, Theo Denlinger is another one who came over, uh, in the off season in the trade that, uh, that had, um, uh, the, the trade with uh, Franklin German. Uh, so he's he's an interesting guy. We talked a little bit about some of these other guys. I know that, you know, they have Rio Gomez on the list here. We know he, he made it up to Worcester. Um, Ryan Zephyr John's another interesting name, another interesting guy. Brandon Nail, we talked about him a little bit last week, too. So, yeah, some really uh, exciting pitchers there. I, I, I don't know that the rest of the starting rotation in Worcester or sorry, in Portland beyond Drohan is is um, there are some guys, Chijang Lu, who um has had success in the past i'm not sure if any of those other guys really project as potential big league starters i'm not sure if hunter has a different opinion about some of those guys but um yeah i think the strength of this team is going to be the lineup uh the top of the rotation and i think some of those bullpen guys uh if we're if we're talking rotation i think someone that maybe doesn't get the respect he deserves is brian van bell just because the numbers are the numbers are never sexy uh but he's one of those guys that gives you five, six innings basically every time he's out there. Uh, now that being said, I do think it's an uphill battle for him to make it to the majors. Uh, but he is someone that started off pretty ugly two years ago, cleaned it up, started off pretty ugly last year, cleaned it up. Uh, so if he can, if he can kind of get, his footing earlier this year and put together a complete solid season. He's someone that I do think could maybe sneak his way into the conversation. I don't think he'll ever be seen as like a, all oh, this guy's an ace, but I do think if he continues to be five, six innings, throw out a seven inning every once in a while, he's someone you look at. Uh, and I do want to say, I do think that uh, a name that we didn't bring up was Ryan Zephyr, John out of the bullpen, I think he's a, a definitely someone to watch. Fun pitch mix because he can hit. He can almost – he can reach back for about, about 100. Uh, and I personally, the, the changeup's my favorite pitch. So anytime someone has a good changeup, I get happy. Uh, but I definitely think he's someone that should, should – uh, shine in in 2020 or 2020 2023 i think he's uh i don't know what year i'm thinking of it's a long it's been a long yeah it's been a long yeah. day for all of us <laughs> uh, yeah. but i think 2027 <laughs> i think that he's uh he's someone that could end up being the ace of the bullpen so i think that he's someone that people should should keep an eye on yeah um I think the Portland team 
could be very exciting, obviously. The infield's good. Uh, the rotation, the top of the rotation especially is good. The bullpen could be a very interesting bullpen as well. Um, but let's move on to Greenville, who might have the most stacked infield I think anyone's ever seen in their lives in the minor league, maybe. Um, at least that's what I've been saying, just because it feels ridiculous that you're infield. You have Nathan Hickey, Blaze Jordan, uh, Chase Medroff, Edinson Paulino, Marcelo Meyer. Um, like, is that is that really fair uh, for the other guys? <laughs> No, um, no, it's not. Uh, it's not fair for the other. Not fair the, for the other teams or the opposing pitchers in in in, uh, in that league for sure. It's certainly fun for us, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's so much fun for us. Um, let's let's kind of start with besides Marcelo Meyer. Um, who are you interested in seeing this year? Um, or not necessarily who are you interested in seeing, but who do you think will have a big year outside of Marcelo Meyer with that group? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. So I, I, I think that it's, it's hard to pick one of the rest of those two. I mean, like I, people know a lot about play about blaze Jordan. I think the other two guys, Midroth and Polino, like I, I think from, there were some reports out of, out of uh, spring training on Polino that sounded like he was just like, he, he had a, a, a huge long home run, I think in a game against the Yankees down there, um, in spring training. Um, and then I, it sounds like people were like kind of stunned at how, how much he was hitting. I think this was again, the Sox prospect guys and a few others, just seeing him in that, that game against the Yankees was impressive just because he's so small and he just like generates a lot of, a lot of power. Um, it seems to me like there, he is listed on this, on the Sox prospect side as he's going to play third base. It seems again, you have all these like really good middle infield prospects in the organization. So guys are going to get bumped to corners, but Polino is a guy who has a lot of positional versatility. I could kind of see him being someone who moves around the infield as he kind of moves up, moves further up, but really a fascinating prospect and a guy that has a ton of talent. I think he's one of these guys where I think for like the last year, a couple of years, we've been like, Oh, like, you know, Edinson Paulino, know somebody that you should keep an eye on or you don't you you know he's an unheralded whatever like i think that edinson paulino is a guy that could be again talking about the bigger picture he's somebody that if he has like a he could be in the sort of top 100 prospect conversation at absolutely in the not not too distant future and then i just want to mention me quickly um i think he will probably end this year in in double a definitely uh he just is a contact machine. He was a, 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 a draft pick last, last year out of, I, I can't remember which school it was. It was a college in California. Uh, looks like it was San Diego, the, the university of San Diego, uh, not San Diego state who's playing in the national championship game tonight, but the other, the other college in San Diego, um, just a contact machine. I think somebody who they identified who was maybe an unheralded college prospect that they identified and said, okay, this is a guy that we, we feel like is going to be successful uh, as, as he moves out, as he moves through the system, just for his ability to make contact. And he, uh, we saw that a little bit this year in spring training too. guy that I just think is going to potentially just a very polished hitter who I could see moving up through this, through the system relatively quickly. Yeah. Uh, I like the names you brought up. Yeah. yeah for, for Polino, uh, I kind of see him as someone that could have that Rafaela jump this year in in terms of national attention uh he plays all over the field he gets some time in the outfield good speed surprising amount of pop so much fun to watch hit a home run because he's got that like the ken griffey 
follow through and the bat drop. Just he he really makes sure to pimp it every time, which is fun to watch from a from a guy that would go up to my shoulder. Uh, and something that I don't think gets talked about much with him is the fact that he was, I believe, nineteen last year for well halfway for half the year. Uh, great eye, like legitimately can draw walks. Obviously gets a little overzealous sometimes, but any teenager in the minors is probably going to probably going to swing a little out of their shoes, but uh, definitely someone that I could see taking that, that big jump in national media attention. Uh, and with my draft, he's such a line drive hitter that I think that that might be part of the reason he kind of went a little more unheralded in the draft. Like he wasn't the pick. I he wasn't the first round pick. So obviously he's not the one everyone's talking about, but uh, I think that he, first off, I think a line drive swing plays perfectly at Fenway. If you want to hit the green monster five times a game, that's awesome. Get, get your singles, get on base. Uh, but I do think that's something that might make people, overlook him a little bit is the fact that he's probably not going to hit 20 home runs in a, in a season in the minors. Uh, but who cares if you're hitting, if you're getting on base 38% of the time and you're racking up the doubles, I don't care if you hit two homers. Uh, and I also think he's on the bench, but I feel like we should give a shout out to Max Ferguson because he was brought over in a trade last year. A uh, lot of speed, but really struggled with contact last year. The good thing is he was walking a lot, so he was still getting on base. But at some point, you got to hit better than 215, 220, or, or I don't think a team's really going to move you too far up. So that's something to look out for this year. Yeah, I love that you took my uh, two picks, Jake, of uh, my Jonathan Paulino. Um, I was like, great mind. I, I, I was, I, yeah, because <laughs> well, I've been on the Paulino trade like the whole offseason. I go even last year. I was just like, yeah, Paulino's going to have a breakout. It's happening one either this year or next year. I was talking, this is last year I was saying it. Um, like, they're having a breakout at some point. He's having a breakout at some point, and hopefully it's this year. Um, and my draw, like, line drive hitter hits tons of line drives so i think that he could have a very solid year and i think he does finish here in double a like you said us yeah double a like you said uh um, another thing about this greenville team um the pitching staff uh led by welcoming gonzalez had a little bit of a rougher year last year but still uh is pretty highly thought of i think he's in the top 15 of Sox prospects uh, top 60 um thoughts on gonzalez and the rest of the rotation uh jake yeah, I think that um, I think Gonzalez is like a super interesting guy who, again, similar, he could have gotten picked in the Rule 5 draft last year. He he was not, um, I think, just because he's probably too far away from the big leagues to, to be uh, definitely an intriguing arm. Um, and hopefully, yeah, he gets back on the track that he was uh, he was going on again. It's the same thing that it's a thing that happens. Sometimes guys, they move up. I, it seems like it does seem like last year, you know, in, in just a few starts at the end of the year last year, uh, cause he, he struggled in Salem. He moves up to Greenville and actually does at least statistically wise, he looks better, um, when he got up to Salem. So hopefully that's something that can continue to carry over. Um, one thing that's like, that's super interesting on this list for the Sox prospects, uh, what they have for their rotation is the name of Grant Gambrell. Um, 
who, if people, if that name rings a bell, the reason why is because he was one of the five guys that came over in the Benintendi trade. And other than Winkowski and Franchi, who's now on the Yankees, um, we haven't really heard a lot about the other guys in that trade. Um, and I, so hopefully he's, uh, he was, looks like he was, you know, he was injured all of last season, didn't pitch at all. Um, so he's, you know, he's already 25. Um, it's maybe not necessarily the, you know, the easiest sort of path to the big leagues, um, you know, for a guy who is, um, uh, who's 25 pitching in, in high a, but interesting name. And maybe, maybe he's somebody who, who, uh, can move up relatively quickly given his age. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Brandon Walter when it comes to him being in triple a, He's a guy a little bit older, had a breakout and made a jump and as he's now in AAA this year, right? So it's not unheard of that a guy has a jump into one of those kind of higher levels of the organization. Uh, having a good year, you know, high A, double A could potentially be a possibility for him. Uh, Hunter, your thoughts on the rotation, Gonzalez, or just the rest of the crew that they have there? Uh Someone that I, I want to point out because I'm a big fan, Juan Daniel Encarnacion. Uh, I think he's another guy kind of in the Shane Drohan boat of I think he gets overlooked just because there's the guys higher up and then there's the younger guys that people deem more exciting. But he's someone that every time I watched him pitch last year, I was impressed. Like, it, it felt like he was he had good command of his pitches. He doesn't throw all that hard. So, again, maybe that's something that kind of turns people off. Because nowadays, if you're not throwing 95 plus, there's there's that stigma around you. But I think he's got a good set, a good set of secondary pitches, uh, curveball, changeup. Uh, he's given them a lot of like every time he pitches, I feel like he gives them a chance to win, which that's what you're asking for from a starting pitcher. And then someone that I think you need to watch out for this year, uh, just in terms of potential. I think it's it's he's one of those guys that either you're going to get a breakout season or he's going to struggle really hard out of the gate uh, on Helbestardo. Uh, I think he's 20 years old. Uh, and I don't think he's pitched in high A yet. So I think that that's something that you don't know where that's going to go. But I think that he's the guy with the most boomer bust potential in that rotation. Uh, so definitely someone that should be fun to watch. Yeah, another name currently injured, Tyler Uberstein. I think solid year last year looked good when he got the call up to high A. Um, so that's just another name I want to briefly mention. Um, I know we kind of want to talk about some other guys too, as well, not just the uh, entire. Uh, we still have the low A team to get to. Um, so is there anyone in the bullpen in, uh, in high A that you're really looking forward to seeing? Um, I know there's a couple of names that we saw in spring training, like uh, Kwiatkowski, who got a – had the uh, – I think he's the one who had the uh, the uh, strikeout on the clock, pitch clock violation and against the Braves at the beginning of spring training. Yeah, yeah um, that so was him, I think. Yeah, so uh, is there anyone in the bullpen you guys want to highlight um, that you're looking for, or just anyone else on the high A team as a, as, as a whole that you want to highlight? Um, just really like two guys that, uh, 
Christopher Troy's name was was thrown out as somebody, uh, I think, by Ian Cundell and a few others that as somebody who looked good in uh, had added some velocity, I think, in in spring training. So that's a name to watch. Um, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it. If it's Hop or Hoppy, Alex Hop Hoppy, I think it is. He was a draft pick, uh, recent pick, I think. Yeah, last year, um, uh, sixth round pick. I think he was a senior sign. Um, he has real velocity. He throws, uh, you know, he can top out at 99. He's, he is definitely a, um, definitely a reliever, uh, but a guy that they, yeah, so it is pronounced. This is why Sox prospects is the best because they have the pronunciation on the site. It's, it's, it's hoppy. Um, a guy who, uh, uh, yeah, you know, six round pick last year, um, a name, I think a name to pay attention to is somebody who could could move up through the system early again he's 24 um he's somebody who could move up relatively quickly yeah same thing to you hunter anyone you want to kind of single out as someone who you're looking forward to seeing in 2023 uh i'm excited to see aaron perry this year just because he didn't really get the pitch last year i know he had a bunch of injuries i think he appeared in like three four games uh so i'm hoping that he can he can get a chance to get going because that's that's always something I, I see as, as pretty tragic is a guy in the in the low minors just starting his career and all of a sudden you're missing a full season. Uh, I think Maceo Campbell did a lot of good stuff last year. Tends to have some of those uh, those blow up outings, which can hurt the numbers a lot. But for the most part, he gives you a, a good outing and he he's going to help your team. And then someone I didn't mention uh, that I want to throw out. I think that Hunter Dobbins showed a lot last year. Uh, not, not a not a top pick, so not someone that that is going to get all that much attention either. But he really started off hot last year uh, and cooled down a little bit. But I mean, in the in the low minors, when people are getting their first few starts, you can't expect him to go out there and give you six shutout innings every time. Uh, and I think that. When he comes back, he's someone that can that can get plugged into that rotation and give you a lot. Yeah, um, also in the bullpen, uh, I know Sox Plastic has Isaac Coffee, and I like bringing him up just because his last name's Coffee, and we're gonna have two coffees in the system, um, which is gonna be fun. Um, so I just like bringing him up just because of his last name. Also, too, he pitched he pitched uh, at two appearances in the FCL last year after being a tenth round pick. From the Red Sox last year, started in college, seems like he'll be in the pen, but they have him slated to start in high A, which I think is kind of interesting. If he does start in high A, I think that's just kind of interesting to bring up uh, with guys that they kind of leapfrog forward. I think that's always interesting yeah. to see how they do. Uh, but also, his last name is Coffee. So there's also, also that. And I think that's like that leads us to a good segue into the uh, low A team where Cutter Coffee will be starting the year in low A. Um, which I think was kind of one of the bigger news, I guess, of the last couple of days. Um, the fact that Cutter Coffee is going to be starting the year in in, in single A or low A. Um, thoughts on that, Hunter? You want to take that? Yeah, he uh, he's someone that obviously he was one of their their top picks last year, so everyone was very excited about him. But he uh, struggled pretty badly in the FCL. But that's not. I mean, that to me, that's not really anything you could obviously if someone dominates or something for a long time, but the guy got under 40 at bats in the FCL. I really don't think it's much to worry about. Uh, 
but he was a second round pick last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was uh, a second pick. And uh, middle infielder, because what else would the Red Sox take? <laughs> but uh, gives you a little bit of everything, good arm, decent power, should be a good contact on base guy. Uh, so I think that it's definitely a, a confidence booster for him. It definitely shows that they trust him and that they want to see what he can do at the level. Uh, and I'm interested to see if he stays there when everybody else is activated, because I, according to Sox prospect, Mikey Romero's not starting the year. Uh, they have him as inactive. So does that, is that something that when he comes back, they evaluate where coffee's at or, and move him up, move him down accordingly? Or is it something that they find a way to, to get everyone in the lineup consistently? Yeah. Now, Jake, do you want to take that? It's one talk. About yeah, it. no, uh, it, it was a little bit of a surprise to see coffee there. And then, yeah, Romero is a guy who um, he was the first pick last year and he, hit I think hit really well in FCL yeah. and um showed right away that he was ready to 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 be to be a to be a uh to be pro um and yeah he he it sounds like he had some ran into some uh some back issues he's a little dinged up it's I don't think that it's expected to be a super long thing that's going to keep him out for a while but um you know it'll be great to there were some great videos of him hitting during the uh, during the off season, where you th- you look at that and you think to yourself, man, what a uh, just a gr- really sweet left handed swing on Mikey Romero, and uh, somebody who hopefully is going to be able to move through the system uh, quickly and be another again another guy that you're talking about as being one of the top four or five prospects in the Red Sox system, especially as some of these other guys start to graduate a little bit more. I think that the so we've talked about the first two picks that they had in the draft last year. The third one is Roman Anthony, and he might be. He might be the prospect that I am like the most excited about. That's outside of like the top five. Um, there's a few different reasons for for why I'm I'm so high on him. First is that the Red Sox don't have um, at least you know you look at it now and it's maybe a little bit different, but most of the prospect strength in terms of position players has been middle infielders. There hasn't been a lot of really top notch sort of outfield prospects, and obviously we have Miguel Blaze. He's he's and he's going to be in this outfield with Roman Anthony. And um, and Alan Castro, who Derek you talked about last week, and in, in the notes I mentioned the uh, the the combo of Anthony and Blaze in the outfield, but I really should have included Castro in that too. I mean, because I think that that is a really great trio of of outfield prospects. Um, so I was I was really happy that the Red Sox spent an early pick on an outfield prospect. I don't know that Anthony is necessarily going to be the greatest defender. Um, he's probably a corner outfielder if he ends up being. A right fielder that would be amazing but he just is a there is real power and yeah. uh, and again sorry seeing some videos of him hitting in spring training again beautiful left-handed stroke from especially as a power bat um long levers he's he's tall he looks the part for sure um and you know he's a, a he was a a florida high school kid um and you know faced really good competition uh in that part of the state i believe and um just somebody who who has, seems like he already has a pretty advanced approach. Um, I am, I, he is the guy that like, I, I can't wait for him to get up to be in, in new England at some point in double a, it'll probably be a couple of years, but um, he's the guy that I'm, I'm the highest on of the guys that are sort of outside of the top five. I'm just, I'm so glad that they have a guy like that in the system now. 
Am I am I am I am I too over the top about Roman Anthony or no no not at all <laughs> no, no 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 it's gonna be a fun outfield though I think I think that's the first thing yeah. that I saw that when you start looking at the roster should be a fun outfield yeah absolutely and and Blaze again everybody you know people are familiar with him um, it's the name to watch and I think that um, there's a lot of expectations riding on Miguel Blaze um, both you know especially from an offensive standpoint. Um, you know, he's still a kid. He's still got stuff to work on and, and, um, uh, but he's going to get most of the attention, but there are a lot of really other interesting guys that are on that roster yeah. too. And I hope people understand that about Miguel is that he's still, he's still 20 years old. This is going to be his first time in low A. If he hits 320 uh, with 20 homers and 20 steals and gets called up by the end of the year to, to high eight, that's awesome. But it's, it's more about focusing on things he can improve on. And like, you can't expect him to go out there and just be the best prospect of all time. It's, it's, there's so much more to it than that. And I hope that people don't just look at the stats after four games or something. And it's like, Oh, he's one for nine. This guy's a bust. What are we doing with him? Uh, so I hope that people give him time to grow because there's obviously something very special there. Yeah, actually, he's only 19, actually, just turned 19 at the beginning of March. Um, so there's actually also that. Um, so yeah, like, slow down on the expectations, slow down on the hype a little bit. I feel like Red Sox may do this with literally everyone at times throughout their minor league journey to the big leagues, and they should start hyping them up like they're going to be the next Ken Griffey Jr. or the next Justin Verlander. And it's like, guys, chillax. <laughs> Like they're not even at the bit. Like a guy with Miguel Lace, you're in low. He's in low A. Like chill yeah. out. Let's calm yeah. it down. Let's not put too much pressure on the kid, uh, because. But we do believe in him, though, and that's is part yeah. of the reason why some of the lofty expectations are there. Yeah, yeah. Be excited, be excited, but also in like and like follow. And it's great we have access to to watching these guys play, which is awesome. But like, remember that they're kids, like especially. And this guy, you know, think people that well, Derek, you are nineteen, so like we can't really put put you in this category. But it's yeah. like for someone like me, like I remember what I was like when I was nineteen. I was. I was kind of an idiot. So it's like, I, I, I kind of like can't imagine being in hit in, being in the, in that position, especially since, you know, Miguel Blaze is, is, you know, he's, he's from the Dominican Republic and um, comes over and this is his first year in a full season playing baseball as a professional. So let's see how he does. And, and I hope we, we have a lot to celebrate with him by, by the end, at the end of this year, but um, yeah, we'll see, see where it goes with him. Yeah, I think the other part of this low-A team that's exciting people is the pitching staff, especially the rotation. We talked about how unfair the infield and high-A might be. This pitching staff might be really unfair in low-A. Um, a lot Because there are a lot of guys Red Sox have, or at least Red Sox fans have high hopes for. Luis Perales, Elmer Rodriguez-Cruz, Jackson Paez. Uh, also, too, I love having a guy. I love having Jose Ramirez in the pitching staff just because we can joke that we got Jose Ramirez. Because <laughs> yeah, we make that joke. Um, but it, it should be a rotation that we're hope at least we're hoping, is going to be very good and hopefully kind of brings in this kind of next set of arms kind of coming from the low minors, hopefully, and eventually making it to the big leagues. Obviously that's a long way away, um, but that would still be the hope. And hopefully they can get, they, these guys can get started off on the right foot in their minor league careers uh, this year. Yeah. And again, something kind of in the same vein uh, is that fans need to pay attention to is obviously stats matter, but with a lot of the young arms, the bigger focus is going to be on stretching them out, getting them. I mean, 
Luis, I don't think Luis Perales pitched more than like two innings or something or three innings last year, I think was his, was his max. Uh, so getting him to slowly move up to four innings, five innings, uh, that's just as important as him going out there and striking out every batter because you want him to be a starter. So you need him to, to show that growth. And with that comes the, the control because part of the reason he wasn't pitching deep into games is he was throwing a lot of pitches. But uh, that's something Perales and Rodriguez Cruz, one of the biggest things that I think should be focused on is can they get deeper into games because they're both projected as starters, but if they can't, if they can't get to five innings, you're not going to have them as a starter. So this is the beginning of that journey for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that uh, this is a, a group of pitchers that no matter what, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of boomer bust potential that that's the way it is with guys at low a anyway, yeah. but definitely uh, a, a lot of talent in the, these, these guys that are projected to be starters on this team. And you and Hunter, you already mentioned Perales is like the most exciting pitching prospect that the Red Sox have easily, in my opinion. Um, and just his stuff is so electric. And yeah. he showed it in spring training. There were some videos that were coming out that you're just like, how does that how can anybody hit this guy? Um, so hopefully that continues. Worst case scenario, hopefully with Perales is that he could be like a shutdown end of the game reliever. Yeah. Um, like a like a uh, Edwin Diaz or Alexis Diaz type kind of guy. Um, and then. The rest, the I am really fascinated by the two draftees, the two lefty pitcher draftees from last year out of college in Noah Noah Dean and Dalton Rogers. Um, just guys that were guys that were college relievers who the Red Sox through their modeling, I, I'm assuming, and their and their their pitch analysis identified these as guys who they felt comfortable, you know, giving decent bonuses to, um, not super under slot, uh, right about slot, I think, for at least one of those guys to come in. And work with them and make them into make them into starting pitchers. It's a fascinating um, way to go about doing it to try to find starting pitching, taking guys that maybe were not worked as hard in in high school or in college, and seeing if you can, you know, use the mileage on their arm as as professionals. So um, there are some, the Red Sox clearly obviously saw something in those guys. I don't really think that we got. I don't think either of them pitched in. FCL last year, right, Hunter? I don't. I. I, I uh, Rogers pitched two games, two innings last year, okay. um, and then Dean didn't pitch. Yeah, so so we haven't seen those guys in games yet, but they were they were high picks, so they're going to get an opportunity. Um, and yeah, I think all of those guys are interesting. Uh, Paya Jackson Paez is another one, a guy that doesn't throw very hard, but is is a name that's been you know that's been that that has gotten some attention just for his his uh, some of his his pitchability, I guess you would say, um, you know, different from maybe a lot of these other, but certainly a lot different from a guy like Perales, who's a power arm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think too, the big thing with Rogers and Dean is just the fact that they were former relievers. So you, you do have that fallback option on them. Same thing with a guy like Perales, the stuff is so nasty. It, you look at that and go, well, worst case scenario, he's going to be a really good bullpen arm. Um, or at least that's the hope, right, in the worst case scenario. Um, so I, I, you're looking at guys who you, there's hope for them regardless of how their career pans out. If they can go five, six, you're looking at a good starter. If they, like Hunter said, they, you need them to go five, six, be a starter. But if they can't go five, six, three, or four, there's still hope for them. It's not like, oh, you can't go five innings, you're 
career is over now there's still hope for all these guys too it'll be a very interesting year because you could argue three of those guys maybe there's concerns maybe four of them that, that can you go five six innings in a start i think that's kind of be the question mark for the that low a rotation is can these guys start to go deeper into games mm, absolutely and uh one uh, one player from the bullpen that i wanted to throw out there was luis de la rosa uh in the came over in the Franchi Cordero trade, uh, and twenty years old. Is that I, what we're calling that now? We're calling yes, it the Cordero. Yes, okay. it's the, yes, it's the, yes, Franchi, the Cordero Franchi Cordero trade. trade. Yes, fine, I'll allow uh, it. And he, I thought he was really good out of the bullpen last year for Salem. He had at the end, you could tell the the workload was starting to get to him. I mean, twenty years old. It's not surprising they, these guys probably have never pitched this much at this level obviously at this level before uh but i mean if you look at his numbers and uh at the beginning of august he was phenomenal and then he kind of started to get hit around a little bit more but the strikeouts were always there uh and he's someone that i think fans aren't going to think about just because when they traded when that whole trade went down he was he wasn't even in low way yet uh, so he was kind of just like that other name, but I think in, in two years, he might be someone that all the people that on both sides of the fence, cause there's the people that are happy. They traded away Ben and Tendi. There's people that hate that they traded away Ben and Tendi. I think he's someone that might shift the, uh, the way people view that trade. So he's definitely someone to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. I, I think there's just kind of this whole team is this whole low eight team. It's just, you got to keep eyes on them too, especially because they're all, all them like super young guys. Yeah. I don't want to say young kids because I'm like the same age as all of them. <laughs> so it doesn't really, doesn't really work. Uh, but they're all super young and they're, they're all, you know, if any of these guys make it to the big leagues, they're still miles away from that. So I think the thing is with these guys is if you have high hopes for them, have high hopes for them, but don't, get too crazy into the expectations and maybe even some of the guys who you don't have the highest hopes for still keep an eye on them because you never know who's going to break out who's going to have good years you know all that kind of stuff yeah um and i think the last big news was brooks brandon starting the year in the fcl um maybe not big big news but it was definitely something that maybe caught the attention of a couple people who maybe thought maybe he gets the year in in low way starts the year low way maybe not but starting the year in the fcl uh, thoughts on that yeah, I not a huge surprise, I guess. Um, I think that uh, we haven't really talked a lot about catchers um, as we've we've talked about all of these teams, and it's part of it is that just because unfortunately the Red Sox don't have like a standout catching prospect in the system. It's the one thing that I you know when we're talking about pluses and minuses of the system last week, and I meant to bring this up, uh, but I just think that the big one of the big deficiencies is not having like a, a franchise level catcher in the system. And, um, you know, I think that there are talented guys. I think Steven Scott is, has shown some talent. I think that Nathan Hickey definitely can hit. I'm not sure that Nathan Hickey is going to be a catcher in the big yeah. leagues. Um, Brooks Brannon can definitely hit. There's no question about it. He was had, I think one of the best seasons ever for a North Carolina high school hitter last year. Um, the question is, can he, can he be a catcher? And I think the Red Sox really hoped that he could be because they gave him a huge bonus to keep him from going to college. And um, I think that for catchers take time, he's really young. And I'm sure that part of the impetus for why they're, they're keeping him um, in, 
uh, why they're keeping him in FCL is to have him work on his receiving skills and his catching skills. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, we talk a lot about patience. You really need patience with catchers and hopefully fingers crossed Brooks Brandon, we're talking, we're sitting here a year from now saying that guy is the franchise catcher that we want. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent optimistic about that. Uh, I'm certainly optimistic with his bat though, but we'll, we'll see. That's what we're hoping for at least. Yeah. Uh, personally, I'm a big Yorberto Mexicano guy. So, uh, I, I don't think he's like this stud can't miss catcher, but he's, he's fun in my opinion. Uh, you're definitely right with Nathan Hickey elite bat, but can he play catcher? Because it, it doesn't always look pretty behind the plate. I think their best defensive catcher is Eli Marrero, but he's kind of the opposite of Nathan Hickey, where is he going to get you a bat at all? Uh, so it's definitely the Brooks Brannon position. Uh, he's kind of the guy that you're you're banking on at this point. And I, th- I think you're 100% right. He's in F- he's starting the year in FCL because that gives him the best chance to get work in every day consistently. Even even on the off days, you can obviously on the off days you can work with him. But if you put him in low A, you can't ignore all the other guys, and you can't just put you can't put eighteen year old Brooks Brandon out there once every three four days. That's that's not going to cut it for someone who you're trying to develop. So I think it's. Maybe not going to be the most popular move, but I think it's the right move to not have him starting the year in low A. Yeah, and it makes sense. It's all about his development, right? And if they don't think he can get his development in low A, there's no point. There's no reason in putting him there. You got to put him yeah. where you where you feel that his development's gonna where he's gonna develop the best. And I think that putting him in the FCL is the best spot for him. Whether some people like it or don't like it, I think that's the best spot for him. Uh, last thing. Um, as we wrap, we're going to wrap up because we are running a little later than maybe I think we thought we were. Um, <laughs> um, you look throughout the system, what team as a whole, what team as a whole are you the most excited to watch? Obviously, besides the big league team, um, which minor league team are you the most excited to watch? Um, I'll just say like, I, it's interesting. Cause I don't know that there's like, there are elements of different teams. I'm excited to watch all these teams. I would say if you're telling me to pick one, I guess it would probably be Greenville just because of the strength of the, of the lineup and the hitters. But, um, there's elements of all of these teams that are awesome. I, uh, I guess I would probably, first off, I would say that I'm probably more excited to watch the minor league teams anyway, but, uh, I would probably go Salem just because, the amount of I mean, obviously all the teams have a lot of young talent, but Miguel Blaze, Roman Anthony, Cutter Coffee, Mikey Romero, so many guys that are just getting started. Uh, obviously, the pitching staff. I think that there's so much there to to watch. You'll get to see some of them graduate. You'll get to see someone like Brooks Brandon probably come in at some point. So I think that that's probably going to be the most action out of any of the teams. Yeah, I mean, I said I was thinking Greenville just for the fact you're gonna have Meyer there there at the start of the year and that on the rest of that crew, and then hopefully you know you get towards the middle of the season and you start seeing some of those talented low weight guys start to come up into Greenville as some of the other guys graduate, some as, as some of the high guys graduate. So you kind of get the mix of seeing both high A and low A in the same yeah. year. Um, that's for me, but I think as a whole, it's just, all these teams are very interesting in their own way, and it's gonna make for a good year. Absolutely. Absolutely.
All right. I think that I think that's gonna wrap this things up for Hunter, for Jake. My name is Dirk. This is Pesky Report, and we're gonna see you next time.